Hello, this is Empires and Civilizations. Episode 13, A Tour of the Umayyad Caliphate. While writing the script for these episodes, I realized that I was just racing ahead with history and not covering other aspects of the Umayyad Caliphate. After all, I had planned to discuss more than history, and with that in mind, I created this episode. I decided to focus on three aspects of the Umayyad Caliphate, its geography, art and architecture, and religious and social makeup. Hopefully, this will facilitate a greater understanding of the Umayyad Caliphate. The Umayyad Caliphate was the seventh largest empire of all time, containing 4.3 million square miles from Spain to Sindh. The Caliphate was divided into provinces, and I will discuss each region from west to east, starting with Al-Andalus. Al-Andalus was the province containing what is now Spain and Portugal. Although it was a standalone province, it was often under the influence of the Umayyad court in Damascus or North African governors. Under its first governor, Abdulaziz ibn Musa, the son of Musa ibn Nusayr, the de facto capital of Al-Andalus was Seville, but later governors made Cordoba the capital. Cordoba would become the principal city of Al-Andalus in later centuries, and would serve as the capital of later civilizations. Moving southeast, we reach the region of Ifriqiya, which comprises all of North Africa with the exception of Egypt. Ifriqiya contained a majority of Berbers and a minority of Arabs. Ifriqiya's capital was Kairouan. Note that Kairouan was a new, planned capital. This was pretty consistent with Umayyad policies of building entirely new urban centers and destroying ancient ones. Moving east, we reach Egypt. By the time Amr ibn Alas began his conquest of Egypt, the main Egyptian city was Alexandria, site of the famous library and lighthouse. In 642 or 643, while returning from the siege of Alexandria, Amr laid the foundations for a new Egyptian capital, Fustat. Located deep within the Egyptian interior and bordering the Nile River, Fustat was deemed safe from Byzantine naval attacks. Fustat's proximity to the Babylon fortress allowed Amr to hire available Coptic officials. As a whole, Egypt has such a strong administrative system that its institutions were largely kept in place after the Muslim conquest. Next, we approach the core of Umayyad territories, Syria, with its capital at Damascus. Up until now, I think I had been using the terms Syria, Palestine, and the Levant interchangeably, and that is a point I would like to clarify. When I reference these locations, I mean the entire Levant. Syria itself was divided even further into regions called Juns. Each Jun was a military district from which Arab troops could be mobilized. Abu Bakr was said to have created four Juns, Homs, Damascus, Jordan, centered around Tiberias, and Palestine, centered around Jerusalem. A fifth Jund, Kinazrin, was established during the reign of Yazid I. The army located in each Jund was entirely funded from the land tax, though volunteers could join without pay. The system of Juns allowed the Umayyads to conduct spectacular campaigns. South of Syria was the Arabian Peninsula, which I covered in great detail in the very first episode. The only part of Arabia that was of crucial importance was the Hejaz, a region in Western Arabia. Hejaz contained the holy sites of Mecca and Medina, the former being the destination for the annual Hajj, or pilgrimage. Moving northeast, we reach Iraq. For decades, Iraq was the epicenter of struggles between the Umayyads and their rivals, whether they were the Shia, Zubayrids, Karajites, or followers of Ibn al-Ashaf. Previously, the main city in Iraq was Tesaphon, the capital of the Sassanid Empire, but the urban centers shifted to the newly founded cities of Kufa and Basra. 
Tesafon would continue to exist, but the Arabs renamed it to Al-Mada'in, meaning the cities. Hopping across the Zagros Mountains, we reach Persia, which is divided into many different regions. Moving from southwest to southeast within Persia, we encounter Khuzestan, then Fars, then Kerman, then Makran. Located south of the Caspian Sea was Cumis, and east of that was Jurjan. Located in the far east was Sistan, and located in the far northeast was perhaps the most important region, Khorasan. Situated far away from Damascus, Khorasan was somewhat free from Umayyad influence. Unlike in other provinces, the Arabs who settled in Khorasan intermarried with the indigenous Persian population, giving rise to a native Persian culture. The most northeastern part of the Umayyad Caliphate was the region of Transoxania. As I discussed in an earlier episode, Qutayba ibn Muslim conquered the western part of Transoxania, beginning the spread of Islam into Central Asia. With cities such as Samarkand, Bukhara, and Bekan, Transoxania provided access to vital Silk Road trade routes. Now I'll switch to Umayyad art and architecture. During the Umayyad Caliphate, Islamic art was still in its infancy, yet the formation of Umayyad styles would affect future developments in Islamic art. Early Umayyad art heavily borrowed from Byzantine and Sassanid styles. After Muawiyah I consolidated power in Damascus, his need to exert his authority was somewhat satisfied through court art. Following an old Persian tradition, the Umayyads imported various artists from across their empire to create works that benefited the ruling class. Even the subject matter in Umayyad art bore similarities to those of earlier Persian empires. Several Umayyad palaces contained depictions of gift-bearers, subjects that were also present in Achaemenid reliefs. In general, Umayyad architecture relied on the following design elements. Semicircles, flat or pointed arches, wooden or stone domes, and tunnel vaults. In what is now the country of Jordan, the Umayyads built a series of palaces or desert castles. These desert castles served as the residences of Umayyad princes. Perhaps the best known of these desert castles was Qusayr Amra, located in northwest Jordan and constructed by Al-Walid II while he was still a prince. Although the castle was discovered in 1898, photographs of the castle from both the interior and exterior were not published until 1907, when it attracted international attention. Although the castle does not look monumental from the outside, the magnificent frescoes on the inside make it world famous. The paintings mainly depict scenes of everyday life, but there are two paintings that stand out. One fresco painted on a dome intended to represent heaven and features the Great Bear, Little Bear, and Zodiac constellations. Another fresco depicts six kings who were defeated by the Umayyads, including the Byzantine Emperor, King of the Visigoths, and Sassanid Shah. Though the so-called Six Kings fresco is in a terrible state, four of the six figures were identified by Greek and Arabic inscriptions above their portraits. There are also portraits of the prince himself. If you have free time, Google Qusayr Amra, that's Q-U-S-A-Y-R space A-M-R-A, and look at these frescoes for yourself. They are really awesome. Finally, I'll talk about the religious and social makeup within the Umayyad Caliphate. The Umayyad Caliphate was a multinational empire filled with many different types of people and languages, but Umayyad society was divided based on religion and ethnicity. A rough hierarchy was as follows. First, Arab Muslims, then non-Arab Muslims, then Dimis, then everyone else. For the most part, Arab Muslims ruled over the provinces. Despite the fact that Islam taught that all Muslims were equal, Arab Muslims saw themselves as superior to everyone else and refused to intermingle with local populations. As the Umayyad Caliphate expanded, 
the number of non-Arab Muslims increased, and the idea of Arab superiority over the Muslim world was increasingly questioned. Dimis, or people of the book, were non-Muslims who believed in different religions. In exchange for accepting Umayyad rule, Dimis were granted protection and freedom of religion. Dimis were required to pay the jizya, or poll tax, which was levied on them. Of course, as Umayyad subjects were converting to Islam in vast numbers, the annual revenue from the jizya was less and less, forcing the Umayyads to adopt more desperate measures. Hopefully, this should have provided a broad overview of a few aspects of the Umayyad Caliphate, its geography, art and architecture, society, and religion. The Caliphate's lenient social and religious policies were the key to its stability. Up until about the year 715, the Umayyads won most of their battles, but after 715, the Umayyad Caliphate was in decline. Nevertheless, there are 35 years to go, so there will be several more episodes in the future.